Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Hallelujah. It's great to see everybody. We're honored to have you. God is so good. Uh, I began teaching last week on living the dream. And I want to continue to share on that today. And today I'm going to talk about being obedient to the heavenly vision. Praise God. Uh, But last week, just to recap a little bit, we were in Psalm 126. Uh, If you want to turn there, we'll read verse 1. Psalm 126, verse 1 says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, when, when God brought the children of Israel back into the promised land, we were like those who dream. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we talked about the blessings of the covenant and how blessed we are to be part of the covenant of Almighty God. We talked about redemption, that in Christ we have redemption. It's a marvelous thing. And Jesus has, we were just singing about it, bought us back. He's brought us out of bondage and he's brought us into freedom. Praise God. He took us out of death and he brought us into life. He took us out of, you know, all these challenges and he's given us so many good promises. We talked about having extreme joy. We talked about how God makes us a witness to the world of his goodness. And then we talked about a time of refreshing. He talks about like streams in the south or streams in the desert. Praise God. And God wants to do things through salvation, through the Holy Spirit. He wants to do new things in your life. We might talk about a little bit of that today. And finally, he, it's, it's for the harvest. Thank God there's a harvest that needs to be reaped. God says multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision before the notable day of the Lord shall come. Today, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 26 from the life of uh, the Apostle Paul. And this is he is recounting in Acts 26, near the end of his life, the beginning of his salvation and his conversion uh, before King Agrippa. And in this portion of scripture, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Praise God. God has a dream for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. For every person on the planet, God has a plan for them. Now, not everybody's walking in it. So we're going to talk about how we can begin to walk in it and how we can keep walking in it. So we'll begin reading in verse 12. He says, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief of priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and those who were with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Do you know it is hard to go against the will of God? Some people think that it's hard to be a believer, but the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It's easier to follow God. It's easier to go the will, to follow the will of God and do the plan of God than it is not to. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All you who are laboring and heavy laden. So it's not hard to serve God. Amen. It's it's better. He said, it's hard for you to go against the pricks, to go against the way that the Holy Spirit is directing in your life. And I said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness of the things which you have seen and those things in the which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I now send you 
to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You know, it is so important for us to be obedient. You know, the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. Praise God. He goes on and says in verse 20, if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. It's good to be obedient. You know, one time years ago, Barbara was preaching on obedience at a Bible school. These people got mad at her. This is a grace Bible school. Why are you talking about obedience? Well, I got up in the next session and I said, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham obeyed God. Hallelujah. You know, we used to sing songs about it in church, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I still believe that. Keep believing, amen, and keep obeying, obeying. You know, you need to surrender to Jesus. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And that not only needs to be one time in your life when you initially receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that needs to be a continual lifestyle. Luke, when Luke quotes that, Luke says, you got to deny yourself daily and take up your cross and follow me. Praise God. We need to follow God every day. Praise God. Many times I pray in the morning, Lord, just help me do what you want me to do today. Praise God. I believe that God has divine appointments for us. And I want to, he told me just a while back, he says, I have divine appointments coming for you. Hallelujah. It was on a Wednesday night. I didn't give the word. But he said, I have lined things out from the top to the bottom. I've got divine appointments coming. And he said, you'll have so much increase, it'll be hard to keep it. It'll be hard to deal with it. That's what, he, and listen, we've already had two of them. And I can tell that it's already working. It's what the Lord said. And it's what he's doing. So thank God. He's so good to us. Now, as we look at this, he says, you know, I, I want you to obey me. Praise God. You know, I want to go where God wants me to go. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to say what God wants me to say. I want to be who God wants me to be. Praise God. I want to give where God wants me to give. I want to give what God wants me to give. I want to be completely obedient to Jesus. I'm trying to. Many times people have questions. What are you doing? Why didn't you do this? You don't know where I was. You don't know what I was doing. Somebody said a couple weeks ago, where were you, Pastor Lawson? What are you doing? They asked somebody else. Do you know I had five nights that I was out that week doing things, appointments, with people from this church? They have no idea where I'm at and what I'm doing. They have no idea what's going on. I'm just trying to obey Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to do what Jesus called me to do and be who he wants me to be. Praise God. If you really have a question about something, why don't you just come and ask me? I'll tell you the truth. I won't lie to you. God is my witness. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. That's what Revelation says. I don't want to go there. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you want to know something about me, rather than talk to 10 or 15 or 20 people around you, just come talk to me. If you want to know what's going on, listen, things are good at Karis Christian Center. Hallelujah. We have a great staff. We have the best staff that we've ever had. Amen. We have a great team, great leadership team. Hallelujah. I have great people on my advisory board. I have great people on the legal board. Hallelujah. So if you wonder about that, just come and ask. I'll tell you. 
Amen? I'm not afraid. Glory to God, I'm not doing anything hidden. I'm not doing anything that's not in the light. Hallelujah. You do things that are not in the light, they're going to be brought to light. So just do it in the light. Just be in the light. Walk in the light. That's better too. Amen? So if you have questions, just ask. Somebody just asked me. I said, well, this is what's... He said, oh, okay. I said, that's good. I said, just tell all those people that are saying that. Just come talk to me. Praise God. Okay, I'll just get that off my chest. I'm sorry, but somebody just talked to me, and I just told them, hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not here to hide anything. I've never been here to hide anything. Praise God. I'm being, believing, being upfront and honest. Sometimes people don't like honesty. Praise God. Anyway, praise the Lord. So, hallelujah. We want to be obedient. Now, how do we follow God's plan and purpose? How do we walk in God's plan and purpose? Well, notice the first thing when Jesus appeared to Saul, who became Paul. The first thing that he, Paul said, he said, in verse 15, he said, Who are you, Lord? Who are, he knew immediately, Jesus is Lord. Amen. You know, a few years ago in the year 2016, they fought me for putting bus benches up that said, Jesus is Lord. Now, I had been using the name of Jesus for years. I used celebrate Jesus. I used experience Jesus. And then I used Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. I was never attacked for celebrate Jesus. I was never attacked for experience Jesus. But the first time I put a billboard up that said, Jesus is Lord, that made somebody mad. People don't like Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. I had these signs up for years. Never had any problem. One person called and complained because of a bus bench we had with the statement, Jesus is Lord. And they wanted to take that down. I thought, what a reaction. After I've been using this so many times. You know, this happened on a Tuesday that this person came from the city office. Said, you can continue to advertise. Mike Peterson worked for me then. He was in my office. And on Monday before that, we talked about changing the advertising from Jesus is Lord to something else. But on Tuesday, they came in and said, you can't use that anymore. Guess what my lightning fast mind said. I said, I told that person from the city of Colorado, I said, listen, I've been using the name of Jesus in my advertising for three years, and I'm going to keep using the name of Jesus in my advertising. They said, that's hate speech. Well, I said, you know what? I've been doing it, and I'm going to keep doing it. Hallelujah. When, when she walked out the door, Mike said, here is the number for the mayor. I called the mayor. I didn't get an answer back. Amen. So, you know, that was on Tuesday. So Wednesday, they said that came, you know, down from this person, and they're going to stand by it. Thursday, I said, I want to know who, because I've talked to that person. I know it's not them. And it came down from the city attorney, which I found on, on Thursday. Friday is my day off. So on Friday morning, I got up on my day off, and I called every city council member. And I, I, I left them a message. Praise God. And I emailed every city council member. And I called the mail and, mayor and left him a message. And I emailed every, uh, uh, you know, emailed the mayor also. Praise God. Now, I, then I wrote a letter that I was going to give to the congregation on Sunday and to ask them to go and tell people, amen, to, to call the city council, to call the mayor, and so on and so forth. And uh, anyway, after I did all that, I went to the radio station. And they said, if you'll give $1,200 to feed the hungry, it's a great ministry. I support it in the past. Then we'll give you, uh, you know, so many ads. I said, listen, I want to have a week of ads. I'll give you $1,200. Here's $1,200. I want to start this Sunday or Monday. Whenever they start, I think I started on Monday with those advertisements. And I called the Christian community. I said, call the mayor. Hallelujah, call the city council. And let them know where you stand on the statement, Jesus is Lord. 
Hallelujah. You know, then Barbara and I went to Texas Roadhouse for lunch. They have a good early dine special. We were having it. We started out when it was two for $14.99. It's now $11.99 a piece. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's how long we've been going there. They ask us most of the time, is this your first time? Not quite. Hallelujah. Uh, glory to God. But, but anyway, I was sitting at Texas Roadhouse, and my phone rang, and it was the lady that ran the Colorado Springs Independent. She said, I, I got a call from a city council member. They were asking about Jesus, his Lord, said that you had sent a statement and emailed them, and you'd called them. I said, oh, that's right. She said, I would like to run a story on this. And I said, well, you can run a story under one condition. She said, what's the condition? I said, you say exactly what I tell you to say. She said, I'll do it. I'll qualify. I wasn't going to let it out to the news media, but I said, oh, since she's got it, I guess I'll call the media. So I called ABC, NBC, and C CBS, and Fox News. Everybody came except Fox News and recorded me. I was on the 10 p.m. news that night, and it was a Friday night. That thing exploded. It went Fox News International overnight. It went everywhere. One of my members of my team, advisory team here at the church, said, Pastor, you just got $500,000 of free advertising, and you just made the name of Jesus great big. We heard from all over the United States. Franklin Graham got a hold of it. He taught, sent it to all of his people. It went in the Washington Post. I mean, it, it went in all these different things. Hallelujah. Did you know the ACLU spoke up for me and said, in this case, Pastor Lawson is right. This person from the Independent called somebody who fights Christians on a military basis. He said, this is plainly against the First Amendment, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And, and, you know, if this goes to the Supreme Court, Pastor Lawson will win. Listen, I've done a little recording, so I knew what to do. I took my glasses off. I smiled really, really pretty. And I said, I didn't start this fight, but I'll win it. Hallelujah. Glory to God, you know, I had just got kicked off. This was the end of June. I had just got kicked off the Christian television in May because I'm not cool enough. Because I'm not hip enough. I'm too old-fashioned. So they broke their contract with me. And so I had been in contact with Daystar, and I had accepted to go on Daystar that cost a whole lot more money the beginning in July, just right after that. And it cost a lot more money. Did you know what? We had so much increase from that. We, we increased 28% for the third quarter, the fourth quarter, the first quarter, <laughs> second quarter, and that paid for Daystar. And I was on there five years, and the Lord said, God, okay, praise God. I just want to do what God wants me to do. Amen. But people don't like sometimes that statement, Jesus is Lord. It just draws offense out of some people. Do it out of them. Praise God. Well, the city decided in about two weeks that they... They called me and said, would you please cancel that radio ad? One of the council members said, how many people do you have in your church? I called a couple pastors said, tell your people about this. Hallelujah. We, we rang their bell down there. Praise God. Amen. There were people that we, we got contacted from Africa. We got contacted from all over the United States. Amen. Because we said, Jesus is Lord. Now, Paul had been fighting Jesus, but he figured out in one moment of time, Jesus is Lord. And so following the plan and the purpose of God, living in the dream begins with you knowing that Jesus is Lord. You know, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. Fools despise wisdom. 
And what he says in Proverbs chapter 1, he says wisdom is available to everybody, but not everybody is listening. Do you know, I still believe that today. I believe that wisdom is available to everybody, but sometimes people just don't want to hear. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible goes on to say this in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Let's turn there really quickly. Of wisdom, not only the beginning of knowledge, but he says in Proverbs 9, 10, he said it is the beginning of wisdom. And he says, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. In fact, there are three key words that we see in the book of Proverbs. We see the word knowledge. Knowledge is talking about the facts. That's what they teach primarily in college is they teach you the facts. But what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to use the facts that you have learned in a positive way in your own life. We need wisdom. Praise God. Wisdom is the principal things, Proverbs says. Therefore, get wisdom with all your getting. Get understanding. So what, what is knowledge is the facts. Wisdom is the ability to use the facts in a positive way. The third thing, key word in the book of Proverbs is understanding. Now, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 15, if you want to turn, it's really close here. Proverbs 15, verse 14, it says this. I'll just read it to you. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. If you have understanding, you seek knowledge. So it's like a circle, right? So knowledge is the facts. You got to have the facts, right? Wisdom, not everybody has, a lot of people have knowledge. Not a lot of people have wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to use the facts in a positive manner in your life. You can know all about it, but if you don't know how to do it and you don't apply it, it's not going to work, right? But then a person understanding seeks knowledge. See that circle? If you have understanding, you keep seeking knowledge. You know, when I first came to Colorado Springs, I met with two pastors. God spoke to me January 4th, 2001, and told me to, it, it, it was Thursday morning, just before noon, said, go, come to Colorado Springs and start a church, Caris Christian Center. I went home and told Barbara, we're going to Colorado Springs, starting a church. She said, I've been telling you for two years, you need to do this. <laughs> Praise God. She's ahead of me. She hears God better than I do because she spends more quiet time with the Lord. Amen. Praise God. But she, she, she heard, she said, I've been telling you two years. So then on, on that uh, Sunday afternoon, January the 7th, I called Andrew Womack. He's one, the leading mentor in my life for years and years. And Andrew Womack said, you need to get with it. He was afraid the only way that I'd get out of Kit Carson was feet first. He said, you need to get with it. Praise God. Do it now. Praise God. Then on Monday, I called one of the largest churches in Colorado Springs to have an appointment with the pastor that following Thursday. And a week from, from when God spoke to me on January 4th, on January 11th, I had a meeting with one of the pastors of one of the largest churches in the city. Not only did I meet with him, I met with another pastor. I met with a pastor that was really struggling. I had this little bitty church. He said, why God? He was just as grouchy. It was a very unpleasant meeting. I thought, ooh, I don't like this. So I went with, met with this pastor of one of the largest churches in the city, and this pastor spoke to me, and he gave me real wisdom. He spent 25 minutes with Barbara and I. Barbara said, if you weren't you, I wouldn't do it. But I know he just defined. He told me 90% of church plants fail in Colorado Springs. But she said, when he explained how you need to be, he, he defined you to a T. He said, you're going to do good. 
This man, the, the one pastor that I met to had this little bitty church. This, this man was so grouchy. And he was telling me how much he knew and how he knew more than all these other people. The other one was so nice. When he got done, he reached out his hand across the desk and he said, welcome to Colorado Springs. Hallelujah. You know, that's how I want to be. I want to help people. I want to bless people. I want to be a blessing to others and not just be an old grouch. Amen? So Barbara's working on me. I need a lots of extra work. You can probably tell you hear me preach. Amen? I don't want to get too cranky. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So praise the Lord. So we, need, we have wit, knowledge, which is the facts. We have wisdom, which is the ability to use the facts that you have in a positive manner in your life. And we have understanding. Understanding, a person of understanding seeks for knowledge. So you keep the circle going. You have never arrived. And Paul says that in another place. We'll talk about it later. Amen? So the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You respect your relationship with God. The first thing Paul says when Jesus appeared to him, who are you, Lord? The second thing is, so the dream comes from knowing Jesus, from salvation. But the dream also grows as we get to know him more. Notice if we go back to Acts chapter 26, in Acts chapter 26, verse 16, Jesus speaks to him and says, but rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose. God has a purpose for your life to make you a minister and a witness. Both of these things which you have seen, he showed him some things immediately. And he says, and of those things in the which I will appear to you. As you grow in your relationship with God, as you walk with God, he reveals more of his plan to you. Praise God. You know, we all want to see the end from the beginning. God is the only one who sees the end from the beginning. I remember one time we had a very prophetic minister speaking at our church when I was about 18 years old, and I went forward because I wanted to know more. And when I went up, he, he prayed for me, and he said, Lawson, your life is like a road map. You remember those old Rand McNally road atlases? They weren't like our phone. You just keep everything there. But you go from page to page. Barbara and I drove across the United States right after we were married from Lamar, Colorado, clear to New Jersey, then went up to, you know, through New York State and went through Connecticut and through Rhode Island and over to, where'd we go? Massachusetts. Barbara's best friend in high school married a pastor that planted churches. Hallelujah. His name is Bobby. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? And Barbara married me, and I plant churches. He understood grace before I did. We went to a Bible study he had that week. He was talking about Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no judgment. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I really didn't understand what that meant. But he had a revelation of grace before I did. Amen. But I got a revelation of grace about six years after that. Amen. Maybe more than that, actually. Probably 10 years. I don't know. I have to figure it out. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I got a revelation of grace. Amen. So Jesus appeared to him. Now, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was things that the Lord showed me that I needed, that I knew that I, what I would be doing. And there's things that God showed me that I didn't even enter in for another 25 plus years. Hallelujah. But as we walk with God, the vision grows. It, you know what? You get to know more as you walk with Jesus. Praise the Lord. I want to give you an example from Acts chapter 16. Paul's on one of his journeys. And in verse 6, it says, Now when they'd gone throughout Figria and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. How many of you ever had the Holy Ghost tell you don't do this? I tell you what, I know when the Holy Ghost says no. 
You know, I, I was in Kit Carson and one of my good friends who mentored me in, my, in business was buying six sections, six square miles of ground. And he, he offered me to buy one. I wanted to buy it. You know what? I went and drove around it. I had a little half-ton Ford truck with a six-cylinder, 300 straight. <laughs> Amen. I went and drove around that section. I wanted it to buy it so bad. Every, I knew it would make money. My friend, you know what? He had an eighth-grade education. Just before he went home to be with Jesus, he talked to me. He said, Lawson, I want you to know that I'm having a hard time keeping my net worth under $10 million. I said, well, you better keep giving. <laughs> and he said, if it gets above 10 million, he said, you know what? He said, the government takes a lot of it. I said, well, keep giving. Now, I went out, I drove around it. I wanted to do it so bad, but I drove up to my church and I was literally physically shaking. And Jesus said, no. Now, if Jesus says no, guess what that means? No means no. And if he says no, that if I would have done that, I probably wouldn't be here. And the Lord knew that. So the Lord said no. And when the Lord said no, I, I called my friend and said, I can't do it. He said, why? I said, because Jesus said no. The Lord says no. If the Lord says no, he means no. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. You need to know that no means no. He didn't always say no, but sometimes he does. And you need to know that as a believer. And so he, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. Notice this. In verse 7, as they were come to Mysia, see, they kept moving. It's hard to steer a parked car. A ship that is dead in the water, you can turn the, you know, the rudder 360 degrees. It, it won't make any change. But when that ship is moving, just the slightest turn of that rudder will turn that whole ship. They, they went to Mysia, and they talked about going to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They had a check in the Spirit. What is a check in the Spirit? A check in the, they were thinking about it. They were talking about it. But something on the inside said, no, that's not right. Some of you had that happen. Amen? And it's just on the inside. You just, just, you just can't get peace about it. In fact, I tell people when they're following God, especially if you're married, if you're both born again, especially if you're born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, but if you're born again and you both know the Lord as a husband and wife, and you're both submitted to the Lord Jesus, if you have 100% agreement about it, not trying to twist each other's arm, and you have peace about it, over 90% of the time, I believe that's accurate. Amen. You can know the voice of God. That's one way. Amen. So they had a check on the inside. The Spirit didn't allow them. So they passed by Mysia. They came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. How many of you are glad that God still works with dreams and visions? Acts chapter 2, verse 17, he says, In the last days I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your young men, hallelujah, will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. On my servants and my handmaids I'll pour out of my spirit. There'll be signs in heaven above and wonders in the earth beneath and it will come to pass. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad that we have gifts of the Holy Spirit that are in operation today. And we have directions that come from God. So he saw this vision. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. After he saw the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. They just knew, hey, whew, we're to preach the gospel. 
to them. So Paul went over there. Now, you'd think with a vision from God, he was going to have thousands of people saved. But what happened when he got over there? Do you know he only got one woman saved? And her house. Lydia and her house. And then they took Paul and Silas, and they threw them in jail for preaching the gospel. We talked about it last week. And while they were in jail at midnight, their feet were in the stocks. Man, they, they didn't like these guys. They prayed and they sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them and God opened the prison doors and they walked out free and they won the jailer and his house to the Lord. Do you know what? That wasn't the end of this place because that woman, Lydia, and her family, their house became a church and many people were saved and they became major leaders in the body of Christ. Sometimes something doesn't look big on the outside, but that doesn't mean it's not God. When I graduated from Bible school, God called me to go to Kit Carson, Colorado and start a church, Church of the Redeemed. I was the salutatorian of my Bible school class. They picked me to preach at Dr. Lester Sumrall's church. What an honor. I had people say, why are you going to a town of 300? Now, it's not next to any big town. It's out there. There's only 2,200 people in the county last time I checked. And the county covers 2,400 square miles. They one person a square mile in that county. But God said, go there. People said, you should be going to a church of two, two or 300, not a town of 300. I said, I'm going there because Jesus called me to go there. You know the person that told me to do that? You know what he's doing in the body of Christ? Almost nothing. You need to go where God calls you to go and do what God tells you to do. You need to be. Most people haven't started as low as I started. Hallelujah. God taught me a lot of things while I was in Kit Carson for 13 years. Amen. But you need to go exactly where God wants you to go, and you need to do exactly what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. And if God can't trust you to do a small thing, if, if you'll be faithful in those things that are small, you will become ruler over much. But if you, Luke 16 says that, that is a biblical principle. But if you won't be faithful in those things which are small, you will never be given much. And so you know what? We need to be doing what God has us to do. Do you know Carrie Pickett is the director of Karis Bible College? She came from Kit Carson, Colorado. Greg Kalp, Traup, who comes to this church and helped us start this church, he told me a year before I came here, he said, Lawson, I didn't even know God was calling me then. He said, if you'll come within 60 miles of this town and have a church, I'll come to your church. And he helped me start this church. When he got married, Barbara said the church doubled. I saw Kim in the entryway in between services. I don't know if they're in this service or last service, but they're here. Hallelujah. Mike and Mary came. I went told Andrew Womack. When I called Andrew Womack, talked to him, he said, you need to meet my friends Mike and Mary. So I called Mike and Mary, and they came to the Bible study. They gave me $1,000. I thought, oh my God, I have to do this now. <laughs> Somebody trusted me. Jesus trusted me with $1,000. And you know, I don't know if that talks to you, but it talked to me. Now I've got to do this. Praise God, we started this church with just a little bit of money and a handful of people. And you know, we have everything we have paid for and we're saving for the next great opportunity. Do you know, we just looked at the books for the first three, six months of the year. We gave over 30% of the money away in the first six months of this year. It is super, I got excited. I said, praise God, we're helping a lot of people. Guess what? When you help a lot of people, God will help you. Yes. Hallelujah. He says, those who water others, Proverbs eleven twenty five, will be watered themselves. So we get to do this. Okay, so he saw this vision. He went down there and preached. But he, it didn't look big. Sometimes it doesn't look big, but you never know where it's going. 
Praise God. So you got to stay connected and keep doing what God told you to do last. The vision grows as we walk in. And turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. I want you to see Paul's talking about his earthly qualifications to be a minister. He was a Pharisee. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He did all those things. But he says, those things mean nothing to me. I count them lost for Christ. And he says this one thing he do, he says, I want to win Christ in verse 8 and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. In verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not though I had already attained either were already perfect. He says, listen, I don't think I've arrived yet. I think there's some things I still need to develop. But I follow after that I may apprehend that which I am apprehended of, of Christ Jesus. This one thing I do, I want to get a hold of what God got a hold of me for. You know, Paul lived with that principle. I heard Lester Summerall say this when he was probably 80 years old. He said, nothing that I have done is nearly as great as what I'm going to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I've lived my whole life with that principle. Nothing that I have done is nearly as great as what I'm going to do for Jesus. I still live with that principle myself. I'm still pressing. I'm still trying to get a hold of what God got a hold of me for. Jesus got a hold of you for a purpose, and that purpose is greater than yourself. And as you walk with the Lord, it grows. It develops. There's more to come. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. I know people of great faith and great vision. They live on the cutting edge. My friend Andrew Womack is always reaching for more. He's always pushing the boundaries. Hallelujah. He, listen, he's not dead and he's not done. Amen. Praise God. Everybody say that. I'm not dead and I'm not done. You need to keep moving into what God has for you. Now, the third thing is this vision, this dream that God has for your life do you know what? It's marked by the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at this in verse 13 and 14 right here in Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach forward to those things which are before. Do you know what? You need to forget about some of your past successes, and you need to forget about some of your past failures. The devil will try to, I've had a, a, like a neon light flash in my mind at times saying, you failed. Do you know what? The devil is trying to defeat you before you get going. But you need to remember, it's not about you. Praise God. The devil tries to defeat you. You just say, Mr. Devil, you remember your future. I got a bright one and yours is very bad. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I've had the devil. You just forget about your failures, but you also sometimes need to forget about your successes. Because you need to move on into what God has for you. You know, when we finished building the last church building and, and paying for it, when I paid for it, Andrew Womack came the end of September or beginning of October. He said, Lawson, don't sit on your laurels. God has more for you. Jesse Duplantis came the 1st of November, just about a month later. Gave me the exact word. Don't stop where you're at right now. When Jesse Duplantis first came to my church, and, and you know, we were there. I was, I, we had about a million dollars of income. We're about four times that right now per year. And, and I, I went, Jesse took me back after he spoke at our 10th anniversary thing. And actually, Andrew spoke at the anniversary, and Jesse spoke a month later. Or, or during that same period of time, he came a little different time the first time. 
But I took him the next day. He went to a Karis Bible College, and then I took him back to the airport. And he, he got me on the jet, and he looked. I said, Jesse, I want you to know right now we're about a, a million income. I'm believing for two million. Long term, I'm believing for 10. He said, when you get there, don't stop. Those guys just continually believe. They never quit. Andrew's about 100 million. I prayed for him to get there when he was about 40 million a year, years and years ago. He's 100 million now. And you know what? He's believing for 160 million right now a year. He said, because if I'm going to fulfill this vision, just what I have in front of me now. He said, I'm not going to do any more than that because somebody else got to carry this on. I told him one, one day, I said, Andrew, I don't know who's going to get your due, but whoever gets it, they're going to have to live by faith because it's going to take faith just to turn on the lights. I know because I turn on the lights here. It costs like $10,000 a month. Hallelujah. Our last church, I got it down to 11000 a year. This can cost 10000 a month. Before we moved in, there's nobody in here that's costing 10000 a month. I thought, I'll get it down to five. I'm a good manager. It just costs 10000 a month. Amen? Hallelujah. I thought when the church grows up, I, listen, I have to learn how to believe. If you can't believe God to pay for the light, you can't believe God for anything else. Amen? So we just step up. Hallelujah. Believe God and keep going forward. Amen. And we're believing God. Listen, Lawson Purdue is believing God right now for more than I've ever believed God before in this, in this life. Hallelujah. Don't think because we've done a few things, we're stopping. We're believing. We're reaching out there. And so he said, I, this is what I do. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what? A lot of people never get there. Kenneth E. Hagin said this. Papa Hagin said he believed that many ministers never totally entered into what God had called them completely to do. They just got partway there and they stopped. I don't want to be that person. You know where the place in Colorado Springs is where there's the most unused talent? There's the most unused vision? There's the most unfulfilled dreams? Where is that? The graveyard. Because a lot of people just never get where God wants them to go and never do what God wants them to do. You enter by salvation. It grows as you walk with the Lord. But then, you, you know what? It's connected to the high calling of God. Turn with me back to Acts. Well, in Acts 26, I'll just quote that verse 19. Paul said, I was not disobedient. I want to keep being obedient to the heavenly vision. Now, if you go turn with me, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll begin reading right here in verse 8. Timothy is actually having second thoughts about continuing in the ministry. And the reason that he's having second thoughts about it is because Paul, his mentor, has been in prison for preaching the gospel. But, but Paul is telling him, listen, God didn't give you a spirit of intimidation, but power and love and a sound mind. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Psalm says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He said he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us. Look at this verse. This is amazing. In Christ Jesus, before the world began, before the world began, God had a plan. God had a dream for your life. He says, but it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I'm appointed as a preacher. First of all, he says, God has a plan for your life. That is a divine design. Secondly, he says, there is a divine appointment. I believe that there are divine appointments that God has for each and every one of us. 
The other day, I was at a car dealership, and I was there. I was finishing up the paperwork on a vehicle, and they took me in this room. This person had been to this church about a dozen times, he told me. As he visited with me, he said, I was married to your cousin's daughter. He said, by the way, we're separated, but she's home today, and she's thinking about moving back and coming back. Do you know what? I prayed with him. And then she came, and I prayed with her. And then the kids came, and I prayed with them. I believe that was a divine appointment. I believe that God has the appointment. Sometimes it's when you're at the grocery store or Walmart. Sometimes it's your place of business. Sometimes it's just where, you know what? When you're walking down the street. God, what, Barbara and I went out for a walk the other night. We had a divine appointment. Hallelujah. You never know who your life is witnessing to. So praise God. Keep doing what God called you to do. He says there's divine there's a divine design and there's divine appointments. I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless. You know, Paul wouldn't went through half the grief he did if he wasn't called to preach the gospel, but he just stayed at it. He says, but I know who I have believed in. He says this in verse 12. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that that I've committed. I've committed these things to Jesus and he can keep them. He says, hold fast to the form of sound words which you have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul said, listen, hold on to good words. Hold on to good words from good people that have proved out the gospel in their own life. He says, in faith and love. My father-in-law told me years ago, and it was a great statement. He said, every church needs faith and every church needs love. That's two things that every church needs to be a great church. We are a grace and a faith church. Amen? We are a faith and love, faith and grace church. Hallelujah. He says this. He says, that good thing which was committed to us, to you, you keep by the Holy Ghost. You've got to keep what God's given you. You know, many times when people come to me and they ask me different counsel, I'll tell them, I, if they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to go home and I want you to pray in the Spirit for a week, for a half hour day, and then come back and talk to me. I saw Julie Mapatano. She may be here now, but I saw her in the entryway in between services. Praise God. And Julie came to me years ago and she said, Pastor, this is a situation I'm dealing with. And I gave her counsel and I said, but what I want you to do, Julie, is I want you to go home and I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. And she had a house in Atlanta that her and her husband who had passed away had bought. And I said, Julie, either you need to move back to Atlanta and live in that house and that needs to be your home or you need to live here in Colorado Springs. And she's, she came back after a few days. She said, Pastor, God spoke to me and said, Colorado Springs is my home. And he said, but by the way, he said, he's going to give me a house. And I told her in the natural, it looks like it'd be several years. She said, he'll, he told me he'd give it to her in a year. And that happened super, supernaturally. Amen. And now Julie runs a ministry. Hallelujah. Last year, it brought in $400,000. She feeds 2,500 single women and orphans every day of the year. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. She has a vision that came from God. We need to have visions that come from God. She did what God told her to do. But you keep those things, he says, by the Holy Ghost. You need to keep praying in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you build your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. The last thing that I have is found right here in Psalm chapter 92, if you want to turn there with me, verse 12 through verse 15. Do you know what? I believe that the vision of God lasts for your whole life. I said it earlier, we're not dead. This is the words of a new song they wrote recently. We're not dead and we're not done. Praise God. If you're not dead, you're not done. God isn't finished with you. 
And you need to keep walking in what God's called you to do. Keep being who God has called you to be. Read with me Psalm 92, verse 12 through verse 15. It says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who be planted in the house of the Lord. You need to be where God wants you to be. Will we'll flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bring forth fruit in their old age. They will be fat. Is in the modern English version. He says, they will be filled with vitality and flourishing. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor Lawson, you're fat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Filled with vitality. Amen. My hair may be gray, but I'm still filled with vitality and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. So my conclusion is simple. You're not dead and you're not done. Let's keep moving into the plan, into the dream, into the purpose that God has for our life. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.